All right, so imagine this. I'm meeting Marshall for donuts for our donuts and discussion yesterday. Yeah. I was on time. He was not. So I was sitting in the car checking some stuff. I see two ladies come out of Eliana's Donuts. They each have cases of donuts. Cases? Cases, cases of donuts? Yeah, you know, a whole box. They've got it wrapped in bags, and they're carrying it like suitcases. Yeah. But they both have on nurse's scrub. And I watch them put the donuts in the back seat, and then they step in front of the vehicle. One of them lights up a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, gets, it gets better. <laughs> She lights up the cig. She's taking her puffs on it. The other one comes up, stands next to her. The lit cigarette then passes to the other girl, the other lady. <laughs> she starts smoking it. And the other one gets another cigarette out of her pocket and lights up another one. And I thought, I never, ever thought I'd see someone light a cigarette for someone, start smoking it, and then give it to them with COVID and STDs and whatever else. And you work in a doctor's office? I thought, that's something I never thought I'd see again. I mean, that's like from 60s and 70s movies. That's gross. And I'm going to get it. There it was, right there in front of Eliana's. Welcome to the Faith Finances and F-Bombs podcast, where we inspire you to manage your money, find your soul, and cover your ears. Join host Hartley Wright, a certified spiritual director, and Kevin Bartolacci, director of research and education at Sunvold Financial Investment Advisory Firm. Together, they hope to help you discover the benefits of enriching your life as they entertain one another, and hopefully you too. Welcome, listener. To episode 12. We have a fantastic episode for you today, and I know it's going to be a fantastic episode because we have a guest here in the studio with us. A guest has joined us at my invitation. Kevin is surprised. At least I believe he's surprised. Um, We'll find out how things go. I don't know what to expect because we've never had a guest. I don't even know how to go about introducing this person there's no protocol set but i do know that after today we will probably have a high standard for any other guest to follow this is amy hay listener yes welcome welcome amy to faith finances and f-bombs Thank Glad. you. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. My pleasure. And Kevin didn't even know. He didn't even get a say in it. I didn't no. want to know. I said, I want you to surprise me. <laughs> yeah, he had no idea. Me. I said, stop. <laughs> yes. Listener, Kevin has known for like five minutes that Amy is on the <laughs> podcast. I thought the listener has heard plenty of my voice and plenty of Kevin's voice. So let's give them a voice oh, that is not a man's voice. And so I thought I'd pick someone who is of the opposite gender, has a familiarity with faith, finances. A few minutes ago, Kevin said... How do you two know each other? So I'm going to say that we have known each other for, I'm going to say, like 35 years. Probably longer than that, Hartley. Maybe at yeah. two years. You guys build out at Walnut Hills. Right. But while you were building that house, you moved into our neighborhood. We were like, you could see your house from my house because there was the empty lot. Over by the forest. By the forest. The by the forest. The, there was a, uh, a flower shop there. Yeah. And they had a green Oh, house. the florist. I yeah. thought I thought she said forest. Forest, yeah. Forest. Yeah, Arkies. Oh. By Arkies Forest. Arkies. Yeah. Debbie and Brian Appleton. That was their house. That was their home. I totally forgot they had lived there. Yeah. Kevin, aren't you glad you're here for this? I am so Listener, glad. how about you? <laughs> oh, Listener, and, 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 you're... They, and they had a four wheeler 
And when we built and we got in that house, they let us borrow it because I loved a four-wheeler. Yeah. And my dad would always say, if it wasn't for taxes, you'd have one. Yes. Yeah. Because they had to pay taxes. They had to pay taxes. They could buy me a four-wheeler. Yeah. Oh, that see. was the excuse back we hadn't then. Paid th- so, it so. Taxes. This is this is digressing. Quickly. So your dad, so your dad, this Mike needs to, your dad, Mike needs to listen to the to the last podcast because I talked about uh, personal property taxes on that one. That was my that was my f bomb. And listener, our podcast has an effect because after that yes. aired, there was an announcement in Missouri that they Missouri are gonna, General Assembly. General Assembly says we're going to propose. That older automobiles will not need to be taxed. Love Correct. it. Exempt from That's awesome. Property. Yeah. So we're I making have, a I difference. don't have an older automobile. Yeah. Though. But you will someday. No. Because no. I don't know. No. I don't like yeah. old automobiles. That's my vice. <laughs> if it wasn't for those taxes, <laughs> yeah. you'd have an old automobile. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So Amy and I grew up in the same town, attended the same church. I know she has a faith background, has been a person of faith in the past. Financially wise, I thought you would be a good person to have on because you've worked in pharmaceuticals. I also know you've worked for at least one organization in which you were responsible for fundraising. Why don't you talk a little bit about your experience in pharmaceuticals, challenges and joys and things with fundraising, Okay. however you want to go. Well, I will touch on the pharmaceutical piece first. Because I think a lot of people have misconceptions about the pharmaceutical industry in general. And I will tell you, being out of the industry for 15 years or so, I have a different take on it now than I used to. I know from my experience, though, that when a drug is going through the trials, it's millions and millions and millions of dollars. So there is so much money put forth, you know, to get those drugs that come to the market. And I know just enough to be dangerous on this. So keep that in mind, too. Take a grain of salt. I do know that for everyone that is passed through the FDA and gets through and makes it out to the community and to, you know, individuals like us, there's probably, I don't know, 20 or 30 that don't. And somebody's got to pay for all of that. And so we do, can I say bitch and moan, about cost. And I get that because I'm on the other end of it now. There are costs on that other side that do have to be accounted for and paid for. And so when they do hit it big, it seems like, man, they're making so much money off of us. This is sick. And there are some cases that 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 does happen. And, you know, especially if you look at like the CEOs or the presidents or whatever, I mean, they're, that's ridiculous what they make. And this is obviously just my opinion. That was, that was something that really bothered me. And even recently with, I think it's the diabetic patients and getting insulin, these families that come from, this is going to tie into my other world of the Boys and Girls Club. If you have someone who is coming from a single parent home and mom's working two jobs and she's got four kids and dad ran off or he's in jail or whatever, and you you're trying to live off of a $20 an hour job and you've got insulin that is through the roof on. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a basic drug you've got to have if, if you're diabetic. It's live or die. And to make it so astronomical that these people can't afford it, it's, it's wrong. So wrong. But I did see that it was just capped recently. I read something, I think today. 35 bucks. Yeah, there you go. It was good to see that. That's about all I know with the pharmaceutical stuff. I think there's a natural tendency, as you pointed out, for people to just think, oh, the pharmacy industry is just outrageously expensive and it doesn't need to be. Right. But there are things that happen, contributing factors that cause that. I appreciated what you have to say. And I will say, I've got some friends that are pharmacists here in town. They own a pharmacy. And there are a lot of meds that they fill that they lose money on every day. Really? Wow. Really? Because these, and I, I don't know enough to get into it and I shouldn't even open up my mouth, but like, Express Scripts or whatever, the mail-off companies, right. they have come in and they do all this undercutting with the companies directly. And so they have these great deals. And so to get a local pharmacy here to fill it, you, they have to, they, they lose money. The big part with finances, 
and what touched me probably the most was when I worked for the Boys and Girls Club. That was an awesome job. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I had gotten to a point in my life where I was I just a little bit past 40, I guess, around 40. And I realized, you know, life, it's not all fun and games, and it'd be nice to, I don't know if legacy is the right word, but do something good and productive. And I feel like I do have some God-given talents. It's what people around me tell me anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> might as well try to use some of them with some of my relationships. And I've been very blessed in my life to know some people who are well, extremely fortunate and have lots of extra funds. And usually I can find a pretty decent way of talking to people and why not use that and try to you know secure funds for these kids so the day I went to work for the boys and girls club I went from having my two biological children to 200 kids that right. I automatically loved and wanted to help Yay! and the aspect of trying to get finances and raise finances for them just to be able to do the basic stuff that my kids and the kids that my friends hang out with have taken for granted for the last 14 years it was an honor to be able to help them my family is as you know, Hartley and Kevin, you might know this as well, very big in sports. I mean, that's really shaped us. My husband, even me, now my kids. And so to think that there were 10 and 12-year-olds or even older that had never played an organized sport in their life right here in Columbia, Missouri, mm-hmm. that's ridiculous. What are you talking about? Wait, what? Come on. Oh, come on. Play, you can go play tennis. You can go play you know, yeah, baseball. Soft. You can do anything. I mean, like anything you can just pick up for the most part. And it just wasn't happening. Basketball is all they had, you know? Yeah. Um, so to be able to open the doors and let them see there's more things in this world than what they can play right there on their street or at the Boys and Girls Club, was that was really big for me. And I loved being able to enhance their mm-hmm. life. That was a thrill. That, yeah. was, that was really fun because I felt like I was actually doing something with my life and making an impact and helping somebody. Uh, thank you for sharing that. And you mentioned enhancing lives. So many people find it very hard to have money to spare and give generously, but if you can give, Boys and Girls Club is certainly a good cause because you can enhance children's lives, and it is unbelievable what they do not have and what they what they are deprived of that you would take for granted, and just a little bit goes a long way. And honestly, that was a big part of it was me just going out and telling the story. I would try to go down and mingle with the kids every once in a while so I could get to know some of them or have a good story, not to exploit it by any stretch, just to have a story. And I start to tell the story to a potential donor, and I would get emotional, and I'm like, the heck is wrong with you hey it does become emotional when there are needs that are not met and some of them are very very basic you know that they're coming to the club for food you don't see you don't pay attention because life is busy people are all running around we're all crazy we're all trying to keep up with our own families that you don't even pay attention to what is happening within a 10 mile radius of your own home because you think all these you know third world countries and you've been to some of them hardly you know what i'm talking about but Mm -hmm. that's what you think about but you know what same crap or worse is even going on right here in your own hometown 10 minutes away. Right. You don't have to spend thousands to go to a different, you can do it right here. And like you said, it doesn't matter. It can be a very small amount. It can be your time. It can be anything. Cause sometimes it's just your time that you give and you go and you support those kids or you show them that somebody cares or somebody loves them. It can make all the difference in the, it doesn't have to be a material thing. Even it doesn't even have to be material. It right. can be just your time and your efforts and your care and your love. Some of them don't get that. And that is like, yeah. That's heart-wrenching, yeah. you know? And that's so. an important thing to know. If you can't give any money, you can give time. Absolutely. And they will love to uh, They will love to have you fill out an application and go yeah. through a background <laughs> check because you're dealing with kids. Exactly. And then, you know, if you get, you get through all those strings, they right. would love, they can't wait for you right. to get in there and And they do fun stuff. They do fun stuff. They have field trips, and there's all kinds of things that you can help them with. They do arts. They do crafts. They do math, science, the STEM stuff. I mean, they do it all. So yeah. there's lots of opportunities. So. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I think this was very recently, maybe last week, your husband posted on Facebook a picture that said each of these gloves have been meaningful and it, it must have been your garage floor or basement floor. And there's baseball and softball gloves. The picture was too overwhelming for me to count. <laughs> that wasn't the whole pile. Zach had three in his trunk and Abby had, I think, two down So it the wasn't basement. every single oh. glove. And he yeah. has purchased them all. And you know, when I was raised, and it's probably the same for you, Harley, you got one glove. It wasn't yes. one glove a season. Yeah. No, it was one glove. You got one glove until you were out the, of the house. Until the leather fell apart. Yeah. And what's funny is about a year and a half ago, we were talking to some friends. And I don't know, he was talking about equipment and like John Hayes, a banker, he's a little bit tight. He's not going to ever hear this, so I can say this. <laughs> he's not one of our four. <laughs> yeah, he's not four. He's not one of four. So he's not going to listen to this, but he's tight unless it comes to the sports and our kids and their stuff. And then he'll like the best of the best, as many as they want. Like Abby, I don't know, she probably has three bats in a box right now. She's got two gloves with tags still on them. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I just, I gotta buy, like, she's about done. Like, I can't buy him anymore. Right. And that really bothers him. But it's so funny because he was like, you know, we just, when I was growing up, I got one every year. And I'm like, well, my parents were tight. You got one. And that was it. And he's like, I just can't believe that. Yeah. Like, you spoil these children. That's the problem. They're spoiled. But right. As long as they don't act like little poops, it's okay. Yeah. Right? You can right. spoil. Right. That's why I work. It certainly paid off with Abby, listener. It has. Yeah, the yeah. listener may want to know that Abby is going to be an SEC athlete, correct? She is going to be an SEC athlete. She's going to yeah. play for the Tigers for the softball team this fall. We kind of bleed black and gold at the house. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, I played golf there. John played baseball. Zach's going to yeah. graduate from the business school in May. Oh, my gosh. I have all graduate. The listeners can't see all my gray hair, but. They cannot. I'm old. <laughs> I got a kid graduating from college. You're not that You're, not you're that the old. youngest one here. Oh, my yes. gosh. I feel old. I feel old. <laughs> I got a documentary for you. Given your family dynamic, I found this. I haven't seen it yet. I just saw the article about it today on MLB.com. City of Baseball, available on YouTube. It's a documentary about the Italian baseball in Italy. It's leftover U.S. servicemen who were there in World War II. Introduced this village to baseball, and it took over. Joe DiMaggio was there in 1952 That's in cool. this village. That's and cool. they apparently had a local pitcher who was quite good and Joe was visiting Rome, and he heard about this from somebody in Rome. He drove, had them drive him the hour south to this village, and he went to check it out. And they, of course, knew who he was. He shows up in his suit. The guy throws two baseballs past him. He takes off his coat. Apparently, hits like seven of them out of the park in a row, and they quit the exhibition <laughs> because they thought they were going to run out of baseballs. <laughs> that's, that's the story. Now, whether it's myth or not, I don't know. But Jolt and Joe. There has been quite the debate in our industry for some time now about whether ESG, environmental, social, or governance, should be a consideration that financial advisors use in determining what assets to purchase for their clients. And there's a lot of pressure in the boardrooms to get on board with this. The Department of Labor clarified this for us late in 22, and they said the advisors may take into consideration any environmental, social, or governance issues and still be a fiduciary to their clients. That should have closed the case on it, but what we have going on right now is some political football, quite a bit of Republican pressure to make sure that ESG is not part of the consideration. It's not required now, so I don't know what they're trying to accomplish with that. That's the status from the Department of Labor. You do not have to consider any ESG. You may consider ESG. In the event you haven't seen this yet, there was a proposal from Angus King and Senator Cassidy out of uh, Louisiana to raise the Social Security retirement age to age 70 for full retirement benefits. Goodness. I got to tell you, this is not a surprise to me. I can't make it that long. 
Well, you're going to have to if you want Social Security. <laughs> it's so, going to be out by the time I get there anyway. Yeah, I? so here's the perfect. This, yeah. is why, this is why I've been kind of in touch with this for so long. For those of you who are old enough, John Danforth was a senator from Missouri, and there was a Nebraska senator named Bob Carey. Danforth was Republican. Carey was Democrat. They co-sponsored a bill in the late 90s to raise Social Security to age 70. And now we've sat on this for 25 years and nobody's done anything. So I've been anticipating this primarily because I was born in 1963 and I'll be eligible for Social Security in 2030. And they were supposed to run out of money like in 2030. So I went, of course, of course course you are. (laughs) So since I started my working career, they went from 65 to 67. I was totally expecting a 70. I'm surprised it's taken them this long. And actually, before I get to 70, I expect them to move it again, because that's just the way it works in my world. I, I agree with Amy. It's going to be out by the time I'm able to get it. It'll, it'll no longer be there. Well, hopefully, if they keep pushing it back and people keep dying sooner, you'll have a chance. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> okay. I'm looking for the silver Man, lining. Man, I'm going to hold my breath. <laughs> yeah. Let me just, see. Just you, just you know, we had a... Uh, people just don't live long. They're not. That's the good news. We, we yeah. went backwards. Can't afford the pharmaceuticals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Too expensive. We went backwards in life expectancy since 2020. No kidding. Yeah, we've lost like a year and a half on life expectancy. I'm not trying to bash the pharmaceuticals, but the number one leading cause of this decrease is drug overdose. On the subject of faith, I just want to talk about since we introduced Lent last week, the next few weeks, we just kind of have Lent topics that we can cover guys, each week. Did you guys give up something? I did not. I, mean, I thought it was a Catholic. Yeah. I've always pulled that card we, out. We, we, I'm Baptist. <laughs> I don't have to do Lent. We don't do that here. <laughs> Give me that Dr. Pepper. <laughs> we talked about that last week. We Hand talked about how it's, it's mostly, that is a very common perception. Yeah. People feel that it's only Catholic, but other Christians observe it too. A, a good theme for week one would be solitude. I feel okay that we're not, that we didn't cover that because we've covered solitude in a previous episode. And so week two, this week would be a theme in which, uh, of course, we're already through the week. Maybe I should do a week in advance. If you're following the podcast, you can just start. I mean, yeah, listener. (laughs) Wherever you are. Listener, wherever you are. We'll meet you wherever you are. Yeah, just wherever you are. So week two would be on self-denial. This is the part where people do give things up, as Amy just mentioned. We put something aside so that we can put our, fix our minds on things above. And this is always tough. I have not participated in Lent every year, and I didn't even do it for the first time until just a few years back because of my own spiritual journey that I'm on. And This is the part that I don't like about Lent because it's like, well, I really don't want to give anything up, you know, because sometimes you know what you need to give up, but I'm like, well, I don't want to give anything up because then it's like I'm going to have a bad attitude toward God like he's making me give it up when he's not necessarily. It's something that I'm choosing. I also don't want to be a person who's not giving that up so I can't have any joy in life because I don't really want to enjoy things. So where does that leave me? I'm like, well, I don't want to miss anything. How I know that is there's usually something every year that I know. And so listener, you may be thinking about something that it's kind of distracting you from making space for God and connecting with him. So it could be pride. And I'm just going to list these. It could be pride. It could be ego. It could be something that you're, you don't have a lot of energy. You're tired all the time. But sometimes for me, at Lent time, I think about my speech, and sometimes I need to talk less during Lent, especially because I'm the type of person that takes a lot of verbal risk and speaks without a filter. There's been a Lent season or two in which I've thought, I should just speak a little less or be a little more quiet. And there's obvious things that you do hear people giving up all the time, like caffeine or food, or here's something that I don't know a lot of people think about, 
if you are a workaholic and you're working a lot, you, chances are you're probably not giving a lot of space for God because you're giving too much space for work. So these are things to consider, getting, getting those distractions out of your way. That's all I have to say about that. I will give a couple of questions that you can consider. What activities or behavior or relationships distract me from my spiritual life? That would be one question. Which of those things keep you from seeking God with all of your heart? The other question would be, what do you need to fast from to focus on the heavenly things? So what do you need to abstain from? Amy, this is a place where we just kind of introduce faith and talk about faith from an aspect of a person who can be anywhere on the spectrum of that. So where do you find yourself with faith these days? I do identify as a Christian. Right. I'm just not super active. Yeah. But it doesn't mean I don't pray. It doesn't mean I'm not, you know, thankful. It doesn't mean I'm not trying to share things with my kids, my family. Just means I don't physically go into a church every single Sunday. Yeah. You know, if you would ask my mom, I'm glad she's not listening to this because I know she's got me on every, I think I told you this, on every uh, prayer chain in town to get my butt back to church a little yeah. more. I, I was raised, like Hartley said, at First Baptist Church in Sedalia, Missouri, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, religiously every single week. You did not miss. I swore when I was growing up that I would always have my kids in church and this would be like a huge part of our life. And But right now... Sunday is the only day that we have. That's our down day. Right. Uh, it's it's nonstop throughout the week. Um, in the summers, it's the same way. Even the fall, like it seems like our kids are the sports was all the time. It was year round. It's a lousy excuse, and it's what I've told my mom. And it doesn't mean I don't believe. I do. I still believe. I still have faith. I've tried to instill things in my children and have conversations. And as my mom says, they can't get that without going to church. And there is a little bit of truth to that. So hopefully when my kids are out of the house, I'm, I get back involved, but that's kind of where I am. And that's, yeah. and that's why it's not, it's not good, but that is where I am. Well, I think what's important to say is that your intention was there and life played out a little differently and not to add to an excuse or making any disclaimers, but there has been a cultural shift since we were growing up. Drastic. Um, and I think Kevin would agree with this as well. When we were kids, you did not play sports as much as you play sports now. Right. You you could play sports year round. You just didn't have to spend as much time doing it, especially multiple weekends, especially traveling. Right. So if you've got a kid who really enjoys being athletic, you don't want to you don't want to take that away. I mean, there's a fine balance. Right. I think I think a lot of people make a mistake and they want faith to be most important, and so some some kids may resent that because they don't get to play sports or they don't get to do their activities as much, and so. Right. You wanted there to be a little bit more balance, but it just didn't work that way, and you have right. the energy for what you have the energy for. Right. And I don't think there should be anything to regret about that. Like yeah. you said, it's mm-hmm. never too late. Right, right. I'm sure there's more than one listener out there who feels the same way that you do. That, yeah, I had this intention, but I've fallen away from it. And the truth is that that's, I think two episodes ago, we talked about statistical research, the number of people who no longer identify themselves as Christians has declined quite a bit. In the last 30 years, it's gone from 90% to 63. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's a pretty big drop. Yeah. Now, that's a significant statement to say I no longer identify as a Christian, but I think it also reflects the fact that we're in a culture where people are saying, hey, I can make faith whatever I want. I can take as much of God as I want, you know, those kind of things. And there's some truth in I'm going to have as much God as I want to be, but what effort and what intentionality is being out there? Sure. So thank you for your vulnerability and honesty. You're right there with our listeners and Um, I went through a crazy health situation about four years ago I just had a little basic 
hernia surgery that went very wrong. It cost me about a year and a half of my life, and I had to have a pretty massive surgery. And I can remember the doctors before leading up to the surgery talking about it's not a fun surgery. It's going to be incredibly painful. It's going to suck. I've really tried to have a good attitude about things. And I, I had people after the fact tell me, like, your attitude was really, it was awesome during that. Like, you joked about stuff. You, But like I said, I, it's very hard for me to take things seriously, <laughs> even the stuff I'm supposed to be serious about. It wasn't what I was expecting. You know, the first surgery to fix the little hernia that had gone wrong was way more painful than the massive surgery. And I, without a shot, I have absolutely no question in my mind it was because I had so many people praying for me. Because... Yeah. It was not supposed to be like that. I hear stories all the time. People tell me, oh, well, this doctor came in and told me he is not going to make it. He is going to die. Doctors, they have a pretty good idea, but you can't go in and say that. There's only one man that knows what's going to happen. Right. And it, I don't care. You'd be any odds if he's on your side, you right. know? And so my, we've got friends in a lot of different states. I mean, I, I don't even know how many people were praying for me because right. they knew it was going to be bad. Right. And it really, now do I want to do it again? No. But was it like... I didn't feel that way, you know, yeah. and I know it's because he had a hand in it and gave me comfort and didn't let me suffer. That was definitely a good reminder that like, even though you don't have me on your front burner, I'm still here for you. You know what I mean? Right. And, right. and I think if you have the faith and you believe that he always will be, you know, yeah. he's not going to leave you. So, yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well said. God is good. Yes. Just go back to episode two. Another episode. <laughs> go back to episode two. God is good. Can I go back to the Lent thing? Yeah. So can I can I get a note from you guys about Lent and work and taking a few maybe like a? Can we? Can he is what? a spiritual What's, director. What what is what is the country that has the like the the, the two hour tea breaks like at two different times? Italy. Is it is it Italy? They take off from one to three. Well, let's do. That. Can I get a note from you guys? For well, this, he has the credentials. You got, you we we can try. I don't know how much. I don't, I don't know if the credentials will really work for your workplace. <laughs> You could try. try. They're both Catholic. Oh. So, oh, yeah. Perfect. I mean, they come back with the ashes. So, like, go. I think I could. Yeah. I well, you know what? Maybe maybe you could maybe you could try to play that card I a might, little bit. I might try to play and that And say, card, hey, listen, actually. for Lent, I'm thinking that because of my fatigue and yeah. distractions from God, I'm thinking I'm, I'm, I think I may need to yeah. give up a little bit of work from. One to three. From one to three. Yeah. I think a maybe printed. Requests from her spiritual director would go a long way yeah. to making that yeah, happen. It, it, we might it, be picking up more than be. one listener. <laughs> if somebody gets wind of this, I mean, <laughs> this could become. <laughs> we, we could be tre- th- we're hashtagging right here. We're trending. I, I think. Goodness, I would not <laughs> have expected. <laughs> I would not have expected. It, Harley is passing out notes for yeah. Lent to miss one to three <laughs> at your work yeah. environment. We'll see how successful and that. We'll start we'll, the line yeah. at the front door. Let's go. We'll see what success what <laughs> success for a, for that a small brings. Fee. Yeah, that's I right. For a, small, for a small fee. Since we have no uh, advertising. Advertising just, just, and endorsement. Just make it your 10% of your tithing and just right. turn it over to Hartley and yeah. he'll, he'll, then he'll tithe on that. Yeah. So yes, it's a yeah. win-win. Uh, yeah, win-win. and really you're putting the burden on me because what am I to do with God when I'm taking part of your tithe? 911, what's your emergency? So I'm sitting there yesterday. Amazon Prime van pulls up to the neighbor's house. One beep when they got there. Beep. Then they unload. Leave it at the door. Three beeps when they left. I'm like, has that always been that? For Amazon, I do not know. I can tell you why UPS does it. Originally, United Parcel Service, you had to sign for your packages. Right. right. They began to honk so that they could expedite the process of you getting to the door. Uh, 
if you heard a truck pull up and honked, their thinking was, you know, they're going to check and see who's honking outside and then they can get to the door quicker and they can be on their way. Now that we live in a world and in a culture where you do not need to sign for a package, you still need to sign for packages, but it's an exception. It's not normal. And it's very rare. I don't know why they continue to do it. I can say that it could be a safety requirement by the their company. But Amazon sounds more like it's some kind of signal. If it's one when they arrive and three yeah. when they're leaving. It was I've that never, was I yesterday. Never, I've never noticed that. Now we've gotten deliveries and I've been home and they haven't honked at all. Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. yeah. I didn't think Amazon honked. It, this person did yesterday. Caught me off guard. Maybe they just had moved from UPS. Maybe. Yeah, like, oh, could have been. I'm the wrong clothes <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. FedEx, I don't know if they honk or not. So 1986, we're in centrifuge now. Amy, we were going to a camp. That's what the centrifuge is called. It was, that was it was our first trip there. Wasn't it was it? a yeah. It was a week long camp, but we arrived and I think we were there for the first day and we arrived several hours before anything started. So we all had a bunch of free time. I don't remember how it came to be, but you and I just paired up and we went and played miniature golf. Oh yeah, we did. But we play this course and Amy was not yet like I knew Amy golf, but Amy was not yet the she was not known for her golf skills that she would one day. I mean, you had you weren't in high school yet. No. So how could I know? Right. We're having a good time. And then there's one hole and it was a little bit of a difficult hole. So she tees off and the ball just miraculously, amazingly just sinks right into the into the cup. I made it. Yes. And Amy throws her club down, <laughs> she puts her arms in the air, starts jumping around, a hole in one, a hole in one, Hartley, I got a hole in one. And she's screaming it. And I was that shy back then, too. That's yes, you were. That is something I would do now and not have any care in the world. Right. Back but then, back then, you weren't, which is what, this, what it, took, it took me by surprise. <laughs> so this is the point where someone else says, is this going to be a long story? And I say, it can be, but I'm going to try to make it very succinct. My close friend and your close friend jeff backer are old enough to drive these other two guys that were staying the night with me they were younger they couldn't drive jeff had a car i had a car we needed two cars for the supplies we went through town and gathered up a lot of toilet paper from public places in town this is before they locked it up yeah it was before toilet paper was locked up before covid before oh, it was four dollars yeah. a roll i thought you meant yeah. specific to sedalia because so, of him <laughs> they're like oh you know what hardly does this time of year lock up the toilet paper so anyway, we had it planned. I thought I thought about everything. I even thought about Toby, your dog. Yes. I thought about your dog Toby, and so I told I told the guys. I said we got to get this much dog food. What do we need dog food for? I said because Toby's going to bark. Bark. Got about six or eight cans of this oh dog my food. Gosh. <laughs> We're ten minutes into this job, and I'm telling you, we had we had over a hundred rolls of toilet paper. So much toilet paper. I remember cleaning it up. And the dog starts barking. So I, I'm whispering, of course, whispering as loud as you can. What are you doing? Put some food in there. He said, it's all gone. I said, you're supposed to disperse it out. He said, I did. So Toby starts barking and barking. It's, it's like past midnight, and I hear Amy yelling from her bedroom, Toby. We finish the job. We go into town. We go to Hardee's, fast food joint of all things. But we're teenagers. Jeff goes up to the pounder. He turns around. He's got this. He's just ash pale. He's got this horrible look on his face. I said, what's wrong? He said, I don't have my wallet. I said, do not tell me what you're about to tell me. He said, we got to go back. But we drive out to the scene of the crime. With no flashlights in your phone. Right. Yeah. No, no cell phones. No yeah, phones. no cell phones, yeah. no flashlights, no, nothing. There are no lights. Yeah, there lights. were no lights. Yeah. So we had no way. So we're like, all right, let's split up and try to find it. Jeff is the one who found his wallet. Found it on the front porch right outside the front door nice 
really fun. Yeah, that's it. Now, here's here's the best part of the story, but it's also the worst part of the story. So overnight, there was a lot of rain, and then there was a lot of sleet, um, a little bit of freezing rain. I didn't know the storm was going to do what it did. The toilet paper was no longer on just the Smethers home. That was her maiden name, by the way. As I was finishing high school, The Simpsons came out, and if her name had been I instead of E, I would have stopped calling her Amy and just would have said Smithers. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, but it was no longer on their home. It was. It had spread out to a everywhere. few of the... Yeah, it had spread everywhere. Wet, but ice, what was frozen. there was like pieces. Like yes. you couldn't get strips. Right. This was like, you might get a quarter size. Oh, yeah, it was, it was bad. It was bad. It stuck to everything. And and you couldn't you could you couldn't see it. I mean, you knew it was there, but you could but I'm sure people would get up like the Farkas's probably got up the oh, next sure. day and looked at it and said, "What's all that stuff in the bushes?" and I'm they'd sure. be like, "What in the world is it?" Yeah. And then they realize it's toilet paper. Yeah. I got kudos from them, by the way. I go to our youth group meeting on Sunday night and I show up and do you remember Larry and Rochelle Guess? Oh yeah. Larry Guess was our teacher for that class, and he takes me aside into this other room, and he's smiling real big. He's, like, laughing. He gives me this card, and I open up this card, and it's like a certificate of appreciation from Mr. Whipple for the most outstanding toilet paper job that's ever been done on any house. Who is gives Whipple? Gives me an award. He was the guy who, who did the, the Charmin. The In oh the advertisements, yeah. please don't squeeze the Charmin. Oh, yes, that was Mr. Yes, Whipple. Yes. It was legendary. I mean, if the storm hadn't happened, only a handful of people would have known. But that next week at school, <laughs> it was unreal. I'm hearing from people all at school. I'm on the third floor of our high school on a hallway that I didn't go to very much. I didn't have any classes on that hallway, but I'm cutting through. The hall is crowded. And I see in the distance this guy make eye contact with me. He was a senior. I was a junior. He should have been graduated like two years before. And I can tell by the way he's looking at me, he's going to say something to me. And I'm dreading it, man, because I'm like, oh, God, be with me. This guy's going <laughs> to kick my ass. He's going to do something. As we get... Within four or five feet from each other, he looks at me and says, Smithers House, <laughs> all right, and passes by. <laughs> Everybody knew about that. Once upon a time in a galaxy far, far away. I got two F-bombs. I got two things. We got to get this out. This is how passionate I am about this. This is only a Columbia, Missouri thing. Grindstone Parkway. Do you know what the speed limit is? 50 miles an hour. I was, okay. was going to say 50. Yeah, it's 50 miles That's an right. hour. You're correct. Okay. We've got two lanes. Generally speaking, I know in the highways, you, you know, the fast lane is the left side. You're going to go putts around, go slow. You get on the right. Why? Why? Why do these Columbia Missourians feel the need to both go 35 in both lanes? Oh, and block my goodness. The yes. Done traffic. You've actually seen someone go 35. Oh my on God, Rhinestone every Parkway? morning. Oh, every I see it. It happens morning. to me all the time. Every freaking morning. Or they'll go 20 and keep up with the person so right. I can't get around them. Right. And and I am bobbing and weaving in my Jeep, yeah. and I've got to get rid of my license plate because it's got my name on it. Yeah. And I've got so many people that have they flipped me off. I've pissed them off. So and this is not yeah. my experience. My experience is, is no one goes less than 60 on oh, Rhinestone Parkway. No. It's not my experience. No. From 8 to 9. I'm never at 35, almost 35. <laughs> this morning we were going 36, and I, I nice. can't, I can't, and it's both lanes, and you're blocking. And I'm like, you gotta keep going to lane or the other. Yeah. Yep. And my second F bomb would be the roundabouts. The sign oh. is a yield, which is an upside down triangle. It is not the octagon stop sign. You don't have to stop <laughs> at a roundabout. You don't have to signal either. <laughs> you don't have to signal. <laughs> yeah, you don't. You just really keep moving with it. You keep moving. I pulled an aggressive have... move when we came home from Belly yeah. Tuesday night. Yeah. We're just like, well, that was pretty aggressive. I'm like, yeah, but the guy behind me is like, that guy knows how to do a roundabout. <laughs> yeah. 
Exactly. I don't care if there's somebody any, coming any, in on the other side. If you gun it and go, the whole purpose is to keep the gosh darn traffic yeah. moving. Yeah. It's yeah. not to stop. They could be coming out of the, the, the very first left That's right there correct. to you. But if, if you go, yep. it, yeah. it, the whole purpose, you don't hit your brakes. Nobody needs to hit their brakes. Just unless they're right there, yep. then you don't pull out. Right. If, if they're just coming on in a little bit, but you got, then you go. Yeah, just go. Just go. It's a yield. It is not a stop. And I, I yell at people. They can't hear me. My daughter tells me that all the time. They cannot hear you. I don't know why you're yelling. And I said, because it's making, I mean, my blood pressure goes from 120 over 90 Let's in the morning 75. to 180 over 200 yeah. within a matter of five minutes from my house because they're stopping at the damn yield. Yeah. And there ain't nobody coming. <laughs> There's not even a shadow in the, in the roundabout and they're stopping. <laughs> well, a lot of people don't know how to use them. Oh. I've put a PSA on my Facebook page about it. Yeah. Just trying to help, right. you know. How'd that turn out? Uh, I had a lot of comments, <laughs> but again, I'm like, there's no stop sign. I'm going to keep saying that until the day I die. There is no stop sign. And there's more roundabouts. And there's yeah. more roundabouts coming. So y'all have got to learn yep. how to drive the damn car. Figure it out. They know how. I was in LA uh, last week and they had some roundabouts and they know how to use them out there. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. I, you know, everything works its way in. Right. Well, so, that, that'll probably never get here. I don't think it will either because no. we've had them for too long. It used to be the people on I-70 driving in the in the, in the fast lane, the speed limit. And I'm like yelling at them too. Like, 70 is not, no, you are supposed to be passing. This right. is not the cruise line. And now that has moved down to number three and it's the Grindstone Parkway and the roundabouts. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what gets my blood pumping. I feel better. I'm just talking about Well, that's it. good. Yeah. That's good. So, right, that's why we're here. That is why we're here. I mean, I had to get my two F bombs out because yeah, we yeah. covered everything, and I didn't get to say yes. this. That was what I wanted to share. That's okay. I appreciate that. Well, Amy, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. It, it was, was fun. It was great. It was fun. It was fun. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, it was good to see you. Yeah, good to see you. This podcast is for the purposes of education, information, and entertainment only, and is not a replacement for the professional services of a financial advisor, financial planner, spiritual clergy, spiritual counselor, or spiritual director. We suggest you seek out a trained professional for help with your financial and spiritual needs. The views and opinions expressed by the host and guest of Faith, Finances, and F-Bombs are solely their current opinions based upon information they consider reliable but do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations the host and guest may or may not be associated with in professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions provided by the podcast host and guest are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.